0: Good evening, everyone. My name is Marty Shad, and welcome back to a new episode of Murders and Mysteries of New England. Sorry we missed the last week of May's episode. We actually had a lot of personal changes happen in our life, and on top of that, the episode wasn't quite done yet. So I didn't want to release a half-done episode. I'd rather release a complete episode. So hopefully we're planning on releasing that episode at some point when we get to the end of the month again. But this week, we're back in New England. And more specifically, we're back in New Hampshire with a disappearance case. I can't quite remember how I came across this case, but it did strike interest in me and I wanted to research it a little more. Unfortunately, I couldn't quite find a lot of information about this case due to it being lost in time. But, hopefully, with getting the word out about this disappearance, it can bring it back to more people's minds and we can eventually find some more information on what happened to this person. Just a quick warning to my listeners, this episode does contain topics of sexual assault. If you or someone you know is in an abusive situation, please reach out to a trusted friend, family member, or medical professional. No one deserves abuse and no one deserves the trauma that comes with abuse. So, without further ado, let's get into the episode with the disappearance of Tammy Belanger. So sit back, relax, and let's dive in. Tammy Lynn Boulanger disappeared November 13th of 1984. She vanished while walking to school in Exeter, New Hampshire, which was about a town of about 13,000 at the time. This is located in Rockingham County in New Hampshire, and police believe she was abducted. She was last seen by a neighbor crossing the street on her way to school, but did not arrive at school and unfortunately has not been seen since. The only suspect that we have in this case currently was later convicted of burglary and indecent exposure in Florida in 1992. He was also convicted of sexual assault of a minor back in 1979. Unfortunately, this suspect did die in 2012 and we currently do not have any other suspects in this case. Tammy Lynn was born on February 24th of 1976, this would have made her about 8 years old at the time of her disappearance. She was a Caucasian American child with dark brown hair and brown eyes, but Tammy's left eye turned outwards. She was about 4 foot 6 inches or 137 centimeters tall and weighed about 70 pounds or 31.75 kilograms. On the morning of November 13th of 1984, which fell on a Tuesday, Tammy left home to walk to her elementary school. She had left her house on River Street in Exeter, New Hampshire, and the elementary school was located on Lincoln Street in Exeter, which was about a mile or 1.6 kilometers away from her home. At the time, Tammy was in the third grade. She was last seen wearing a tan jacket with blue sleeves, a purple sweater, an aqua jersey with thin black and white stripes, tan corduroys, and tan boots. She was also carrying a red backpack. Nelson Belanger, which is Tammy's father, saw Tammy leave at approximately 8 a.m. A neighbor, Betty Blanchett, also saw her cross Court Street at approximately 8 a.m., Betty was a neighbor and a longtime family friend to the Boulanges. Tammy has also walked to school since the first grade, so I'm pretty sure Betty has seen Tammy cross Court Street many a times on her way to and from school. But on this particular day, Tammy did not return home by 3.30, so her mother, Patricia Boulanger, called the school. Patricia had found out that Tammy had actually not been in classes that day. And like any good mother would do, she called the police. At the time, the school did not verify students' absences by proactively calling their parents. So if a student did not show up to class that day, the school did not call their parents before this case. During the search for the missing Tammy, Police and volunteers had searched a 6 to 8 square mile, or 16 to 21 square kilometer, area on foot, helicopter, and by boat. The FBI and the state police actually jumped in to help investigate leads in this case. Which I want to say isn't very common in a lot of cases, the FBI and the state police don't typically get involved in cases like this, but I imagine since it was a missing child they felt the need to jump in and help where they could. The extra River, which actually runs behind the Belanger's River Street home, was also searched. Searchers had looked for any signs of freshly disturbed dirt in wooded areas. They also searched neighbors' yards and compost piles. A nearby flooded quarry was searched by divers, but nothing of significance could be found. By November 20th of 1984, the Exeter police chief said that he had little hope of finding Tammy alive. Which... is very devastating to hear, as a parent to a missing child, that your child is most likely no longer alive. I imagine that's really devastating. In June of 1994, We're actually jumping ahead a little bit. Police in Exeter had opened the grave of a woman who had been buried in November of 1984. Remember, November 1984 was the time Tammy disappeared. They had done this based on a tip they had received, but nothing connected with Tammy's disappearance was found. The grave had actually been dug the same month as when Tammy disappeared, So, I feel like the police felt the need to check this grave out in case Tammy was in there, but I guess fortunately nothing connected with Tammy's disappearance was found in that grave. In July of 1996, the Colcord Pond was drained and the Muddy Bottom was searched for Tammy. This was done in hopes of finding a hint of what even happened to Tammy. As far as we know, she left for school, and she basically disappeared. We have no idea where she is, what happened to her, or anything of that sort. Police were actually led to the pond by a woman from the Lakes region, who helped to find bodies of two missing people, but nothing related to the disappearance was found in this lake. In late December, which I'm not sure if this was December of 1984 or December of later on, WCVB TV in Boston identified Victor Winetti as a suspect in Tammy's disappearance. Winetti was actually 41 years old at that time. During their investigation, a picture of Tammy was found in Winetti's house. Winetti collected these quote-unquote trophies, which included girls' underwear and class photos of school girls. Some of them were actually stolen from nearby homes. When I read that, I got chills. And not the good type of chills. I got bad chills about this guy. Like, I don't quite know how to explain it but like something in me was like something's not right about this guy however nelson which remember was tammy's dad doubted tammy strayed from the normal route to school or even became lost he was quoted as saying she enjoys school and has good grades she is very punctual she gets up early and has breakfast and goes to school right when she should at eight Nelson also doubted Tammy would willingly go with a stranger. According to Nelson, quote, she is very timid. Also according to Nelson, Tammy was not the type of child to take rides from anyone, including a neighbor. Which, first thing that comes to mind is stranger danger. Like, children know when not to go with an adult that they don't trust, for the most part. Wannetti was observed parking at poles and playground areas, where he watched the children. Again, full-body chills and not the good kind. Sometimes this would also include Winnetti sexually gratifying himself, which I'm not going to spell out what that is. If you're curious, you can always look up what sexually gratifying oneself is or you could put the pieces together one inmate told exeter police that wanetti gratified himself in prison actually while watching sesame street once again body chills a scrapbook of wanetti's was filled with photos of girls this was also found by investigators uh the television character punky brewster was actually found in the scrapbook and resembled Tammy quite a bit. If you'd like to know who Punky Brewster is, you're more than welcome to look up who this character is. Now we're gonna get a little bit into Wannetti's history. Winnetti lived during 1984 in a motel in nearby Rye, New Hampshire. He was employed at Brad's Custom Auto Body on Main Street in Exeter, which was located several blocks from where Tammy was last seen. Wanetti also had a criminal history dating back at least to the 1960s. He was periodically imprisoned for forced entry, larceny, and sexual assaults. He was jailed on a parole violation earlier in December. Again, not quite sure if this is December of 1984 or December of later on when they named him as a suspect. But he was Convicted in 1979 of felonious sexual assault of a female minor. This female minor was his 13 year old stepdaughter. I'm at a complete loss for words. There's really nothing that I can say that would make me not feel the ick, if you will. But he was sentenced to 7 to 15 years in a state prison. He only served 4 years in prison before being paroled in July of 1983. He was again sent back to state prison in 1984 for violating parole. He was convicted of being a night prowler in Florida actually. The parole was revoked by the New Hampshire Parole Board on December 28th of 1984 for leaving the state without informing his parole officer. He was convicted of a misdemeanor in Florida earlier that year, hence the parole. In 1987, Winnetti was convicted of burglary from an incident in Dover, New Hampshire. He served time in Concord, New Hampshire. He was paroled in 1991 and went back to Florida. Now, at the time Wanetti was first named in the connection with Tammy's disappearance, he was also a person of interest in the disappearance of Marjorie Christie Luna, who vanished from Green Acres, Florida in 1984, May specifically. Now when we look at the disappearance of Marjorie and the disappearance of Tammy, we can see that there were some similarities. Both Marjorie and Taylor, Tammy were 8 years old when they vanished. Marjorie had also been walking alone on a street near her home when she disappeared, and again, Wanetti had been living nearby to Marjorie at the time of her disappearance. The discovery of human remains in Allenstown, New Hampshire, led to some speculation of a connection with Tammy's disappearance, which, if Allenstown, New Hampshire, rings a bell, we actually did a case focused in Allenstown. It was the Bearbrook murders, which if you haven't heard that one, I would highly recommend going to listen to that one as well after this episode. But this was discounted by investigators, as the victims of the Bearbrook murders were identified years later and confirmed to have no connection with Tammy. While we still don't quite know the name of the fourth victim, we do know that They're not the same person. Tammy and the fourth victim are not the same person. On November 12th of 1985, Exeter Police had announced that the investigation has come to a halt. This was actually done the day before the one-year anniversary of Tammy's disappearance, which means that we still don't know what happened to Tammy, even a year later. In January of 1992, Winnetti was convicted of burglary and indecent exposure in Florida. He was actually convicted because during a surveillance of Winnetti, police had actually saw him peeking in the bedroom window of three young girls in West Palm Beach, Florida. He was actually found to have done this a total of 14 times in less than three weeks. He had received a 75-year sentence as a habitual offender. And during the trial, prison inmates testified that Wonetti had actually admitted to killing Marjorie and Tammy. However, we're still not 100% sure if Wonetti had anything to do with it. In April of 2012, Wanetti was released from Florida prison and later died in December of that year in Florida at the age of 69. In 2013, police involved in the initial investigation of Tammy's disappearance said that Wanetti was their prime suspect within 3 days. Wanetti's car had actually been seen in the area where Tammy disappeared. Wanetti's car was blue with Florida license plates and had a broken taillight. Wanetti actually called in sick to work that morning. Police believe he had killed both Tammy and Marjorie, but there is no supporting physical evidence and Wanetti was never charged in connection with either disappearance. So not only do we have two missing 8-year-olds in just about two completely opposite parts of the United States, we have one prime suspect who was seen in the area of both of these girls. Yet, there was not enough physical evidence to actually convict or charge Wanetti with the disappearances, and since he's long past, we don't really have a suspect in this case, unfortunately. While Tammy's disappearance certainly shook up New Hampshire for a long time, there was actually one good thing that came out of her disappearance. Because of Tammy's disappearance, schools now began calling home in the morning if a child was not in school. Where if you remember previously, they were not being proactive in calling parents. They would wait until the parents called the school and then let them know like, oh, by the way, your child was not in class today. Tammy would be 47 years old today if she was found alive. Tammy's parents had actually divorced. I'm not 100% sure why they divorced, but we do know that they did divorce. And Nelson Belanger had died in September of 2017, not knowing what happened to his daughter. Any information or tips should be directed to the following, and we will also have this in our description as well. So for the Exeter Police Department, you're going to call 603-772-1212. For the New Hampshire State Police Department, it's 603-271-2663. Anonymous tips can be made by calling Seacoast Crime Stoppers at 603- or by texting crimes and including tip c in the message you can also log on to seacoastcrimestoppers.org all one word while tammy is still missing and we have no suspects no clue what happened to her She did set a precedent for schools now being proactive and calling parents if their child was not in school that day. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed researching about this case. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to give it a rating on the streaming service that you were listening to this on. And stay tuned for next week where we will be back in New England with a new case of Murders and Mysteries of New England. Have a great evening.